Our scripture this morning is Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Receive the gift of Christmas from God's word. And this is how much God loved you and me. That he gave his son, his one and only son. And this was why. So that no one need to be destroyed. But by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. He came to put the world right again. And that anyone who trusts in him would be acquitted. Merry Christmas. As we look at this famous passage of the Tower of Babel this morning in Genesis chapter 11, I pray that we can look at it through the lens of God's incredible love for mankind, for you and me. That we see his amazing heart as we celebrate this season of Christ the child being born. And we take a look at why he came down into this world of ours. But that we wouldn't miss, again, his love for you and for me. As we begin and and you begin to look at chapter 11, and you see the people gathering together as they go out. Noah has landed and his family and people start to disperse. And we see the people coming together, moving eastward and starting to build a city and within it a tower that will reach the heavens. And one of the questions that you have to ask is, what's wrong with my tower? What's wrong with the situation that's going on? The people are together and they're working hard and they have a heart to to build this amazing tower and they're creative and look at all that they're doing and, and the way that they are able to, to build. What's wrong with my tower? As we saw in Genesis 10, the table of nations, we see that the rebellious king Nimrod built the city of Babylon. 
of Babel. No relation, by the way. And he uh, built this city, and he went ahead, and we think he's the one who probably got this tower started. And as he's building this city, we again see the people coming together. And one of the things I don't want us to miss this morning as we look at this building is that it really isn't an issue of the tower itself. It's not an issue of the people's creativity. It's not an issue that they came together in one voice, in one language. But what the passage begins to do is it starts to look deeply at the heart of man. It begins to dive deep into what our motivation is for building the tower. That the tower is truly a symptom of what is going on in the heart. You see, God had said to Adam and Eve, he said, I want you to go out and to multiply and to fill the earth. And then when Noah landed on the earth, and it was dry ground, God said, I want you to go out again, Genesis 9. I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to multiply. I want you to populate the earth abundantly and multiply upon it. And so they went eastward, and then they came to a very nice place. The plains of Shinar, the land between two rivers. And it was here that they decided they were going to settle down, contrary to God's commands. They would make a home here in the plains of Shinar. And one of the things that you can't miss as they were building, there wasn't really a, it wasn't really a region where stone was readily available. And so they said, listen, we will figure out a way ourselves to build a tower and to build a city. We will make bricks and we will bake them until they are solid. And we will take tar instead of mortar. Tar in the Hebrew actually has the word slime associated to it. My kids love that. What a cool city. And they said, we're going to make it happen. You need to understand it would not be easy to build this city without the natural resources. You need to see their determination to build this tower up into the heavens that we will make a name for ourselves. So let us, let us do unto ourselves, build for ourselves a tower that will reach the heavens. Those images that you saw were of Dubai and the amazing building that's going on in that city. And they have the tallest landscape of the tallest towers in the world, and now they're building more to surpass them. Those are not just artist renderings. They're those that are already built and being built at the moment. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us build a taller building than anything that exists. Let us be known. One of the questions you try to understand is what was the building for? They, they found in Babylon... Uh, ancient ziggurats, which were the places of worship. And it might have been a place of worship, a big tower. But truly throughout Scripture, what you see in, in buildings that would reach the heavens, like when the spies went into the land of uh, the promised land, and they said they have towers like the, that reach the heavens. It basically means they're massive. They're giants. They're incredible towers. Maybe so that all the world could see them. Maybe to leave a mark to make a name for themselves. 
So let us build. It's interesting as you study in Genesis the word build and how it's used. Do you remember when Cain was sent out? He was meant to be the wanderer. He was cursed. And he went out and he said, I'm not going to be the wanderer. I will build a city. And I will name it after my son Enoch. Dedicated one. Basically dedicated to themselves. Then we see Noah, as he comes off the boat with his family, he builds, but he builds an altar unto the Lord for the glory of God. Then we see here in Genesis 11, another building of a city, all this energy to build for themselves a name. And then we'll see in Genesis 12 as Abram begins his journey with the Lord and he built an altar unto God to bring glory to God. And so the question I think we must ask of ourselves is, what are we building for? What is the investment of our lives towards? What are we building into? Are we building to glorify God? Or are we building a city with our name upon it? So that people might know who we are. They might know my name. Are we building at the cost of losing relationship with our family as we continue to travel every week in order to climb the corporate ladder and to build a reputation for ourselves? Are we building at the cost of disobedience to God. We have to fudge the numbers a little bit. We need to cheat in this area just a little bit because this is the way the world processes. And if we don't, then we will be hit hard. Are we trying to build a Christian reputation built on our gifts and all that we're doing and our own energy built so that people would realize how spiritual I truly am What are we building? A city for ourselves or an altar unto the Lord that brings glory to him? The scriptures remind us, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and to retire late to eat the bread of painful labors. Listen about our Lord. For it is he who gives to his beloved, even in his sleep. God always at work in our lives. If we'll let him work in our lives and build an altar unto him. Our human endeavor to build our city truly is As all of us have tried, it is not satisfying. It becomes very shallow. It becomes empty. All of our efforts to make a name for ourselves end up in want. And I think you begin to recognize that as you build unto the kingdom of God, the joy of living out life for him 
the joy of building an altar to him in his strength to glorify and to praise, to be thankful to our God that he came down and gave us his son. Out of love and response back to all that he did for us in redeeming us, that we build an altar unto him. I just saw yesterday morning, I got up early with the boys and we were just playing uh, with some toys and, and uh, uh, Channel 7 was on. And it was so fun to see. There was a bunch of Coal Valley Christian guys down there and they're loading up this truck full of chickens uh, to just give out to rescue mission and to all these different places to minister. But the thing I was most pleased about that it wasn't just a good deed to be done. But as they were being interviewed, not only the Coal Valley Christian people, but the, the other folks who were helping, they kept talking about, hey, this is because of the Lord. And we do this in the season of Christmas, and we celebrate God. And, and people who were receiving were, were talking about their lives changed and how it's all glory to God. God's changed my life. The whole, the whole little deal on Channel 7 was just this beautiful reminder, this altar being built by chickens. <laughs> Truly. To God. That as they went out, it was to represent his love for them. The people of Babel, as God commanded to say, go out and scatter, they didn't buy it. They were like, thank you God for sharing. That doesn't work for me. And so we will go a little bit to the east and we found this wonderful place between two rivers and it's quite lovely and we will settle here. Thanks for your ideas, but we will live unto ourselves, and we will establish a city here, and we will build a tower unto the heavens. We will make a name for ourselves. They didn't believe God. They didn't believe that God could be trusted in scattering about. They didn't believe that they could actually have security in the Lord when God was asking them to move out. We would only be strong if we are together. We would only be at rest and at peace if we are together, building our city, our defense system, and making a tower so our name could be seen. What's wrong with our tower? And we see in verse 4 the true intention of the heart. And oftentimes, as you and I both know, the true intention of our hearts. And let us go and build a tower to the heavens so that we might make a name for ourselves. That's what's wrong with our towers. All the glory is going on the wrong person. All the attention is focused in the wrong direction. There's not a humble heart that is thankful for all that God has done, that he delivered them. He brought them to dry land to go out to receive his blessing. And they said, no, thank you. We will make a name for ourselves. What's wrong with our tower that when we choose to make a name for ourselves, sin and separation from God slowly creeps in and then begins to take over more and more and we put more bricks down and we put more tar down and more bricks, and that wall and that separation between you and I before God is thick. And it grieves God's heart that we would build this tower unto ourselves. 
whose name is being glorified. You know, I've done a little bit of Christmas shopping. I was trying to, to get some done before Christmas Eve this year and get out there. And I love, I love going to bookstores. I really enjoy, I just enjoy bookstores in general. So I go to Barnes & Noble and the family bookstore. And At Barnes & Noble, they also have a section for, for Christian section and spiritual section. And obviously the family bookstore has a lot of that. And one of the things that, that, uh, that I noticed as I walked into these bookstores when I was looking for things of devotion and things of that nature... I saw these big, glossy pictures on these books. And the big, glossy picture that caught your attention was of the author of the book. I couldn't really read the title of the book. It was so small underneath the big, glossy picture of the author. And I wondered, truly, are these books about Jesus? Who are these books bringing attention to? Where is all the focus going? Who is truly being glorified in the writing of this book? I think in this Christmas season we have amazing opportunity to do wonderful things for those who are needy. I think we we find great joy in being able to provide gifts or, or, or food or money or just help to those who are needy. And I think one of the things that we all wrestle with and that we need to ask the Lord again to just penetrate our souls is that when we enter into these kind acts, do we do it in a way that brings glory to us? That somehow people are knowing about our good, kind deeds. That we let it slip that we're going to go serve somebody today. One of the great lessons that my father taught me as a young man as we would go to San Francisco every year to celebrate Christmas. He, I shared a little bit with you, but he would always, he would always bring, uh, as God purposed on his heart, uh, a large sum of money into San Francisco. And he would ask the Spirit to direct him towards someone who needed the money. And every year, it would be some person on the street. And one year I remember in particular because I could hear his words. There was this beautiful black woman, but she was, she was covered to the core. It was a cold, foggy night in San Francisco. And as he went to her and had the money already set aside in his heart, which God told him, and as he was drawn to this woman, he pulled out the cash and he said, Dear woman, I want you to know tonight that Jesus loves you and that he wants to care for you tonight. So take this money Go get a hotel and a nice shower. Go get a nice dinner. And know that as you do those things, that Jesus is telling you he loves you. He didn't go and here's my card, Ron Ritchie's my name, call me anytime. Who are we building a kingdom unto? 
Who are we bringing glory to? A tower unto ourselves? Or a humble, thankful heart for this child? This beautiful gift to us that all can receive. This gift to us that grew up to become our Savior that all can receive. That those who believe in him would not perish but have life everlasting. This is the gift of Christmas. The problem is with our tower is the pride that takes over. William Ernst Henley boasted in his poem Invictus, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. See, proud men and women think they call the shots. They think they are the ones who are on the throne. And they seem to forget, or worse yet, they intentionally shut out God. And say, God, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I will set up my own kingdom. And then they lose their job and all the power that came with it. Or then they're hit with cancer and their bones and their body become frail and weak. Or they get the phone call that there's a car accident and their beloved has died. And this boasting of being king and captain of their soul rings shallow to the core of their heart. God, in his amazing love, sometimes in our lives, will allow us to be broken so that that pride that separates us from him and his amazing love is torn down. That he allows us to be wounded deeply, to draw us back to himself. Remember Nebuchadnezzar, that great king of Babylon? Cried out in a dream to Daniel and said, Daniel, interpret this dream. I'm having this powerful dream. What's going on? He says, listen, you're going to be put out. You're going to be put in a place where you're going to roam among the wild animals. Seven years will go by and they will pass until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and that he gives to them to anyone he wishes. And there was a stump that was left behind in the dream. He said, what is that? He says, that is you, O king. Your kingdom will rise again when you learn to acknowledge that heaven rules, that God is in control that place of humility before our Lord. What's wrong with my tower? It's this incredible pride that separates us out from God. It brings us to a place where we don't trust God, and it leads us to a place of fear. We don't trust that that it would lead us if we scattered and we'd have life in that. We say, God, it makes no sense to me. And it brings us to a place of fear of going out and being obedient to his word and his desire to bring us life. And I think one of the things of fear that the people are struggling with, and that you and I struggle with, 
is the fear of anonymity. But who will know me? What about my reputation? What about me? You know, you wonder sometimes why we see these midlife crises going on. 40, 45 years old, going, there's got to be more. I think a lot of times we see this big shift in people's lives because they thought they would be at a certain place in life. They thought they would have accomplished certain things. They thought they would have achieved certain goals. And when they realize, when they wake up one morning and they're 40 plus, and they go, I haven't attained any of that, there's this real desire within to build a tower. I need to be known. I need my name to be out there. I need to buy the fancy car so people will recognize me. This incredible fear that God will not meet our needs. This incredible time of forgetting that there is one who knows you to the core and it is your loving God, Jesus Christ, to be satisfied in that. God scatters. He wants them to go out. He wants them to deal with their fear. He moves them out right in the middle of our wrestling of who will be king. He moves them out of that place to break them. And the thing that's amazing, right in the middle of the prideful building of this tower, right in the middle of of this incredible evil that's developing in mankind again, it already happened, and now it's coming back so quickly, we get the key verse of this whole passage. This chapter is written in such a way that it points to one main verse. That Moses wrote it for us not to miss this verse. In the middle of all this story, verse 5, it hinges on this. Right in the middle of the building, full of pride to make a name for ourselves, then God came down. He came down into our lives. Why? Was he out of touch? Was he asleep? And then there arose such a clatter that God had to get up and see what was the matter. Why did God come down? Did he not know what was happening with his people, his creation? Was he fearful that somehow they would become more powerful than him? Moses, the author, is writing this and pointing out that the completion of this city will not be something that will threaten God. He points that it's built by these sons of men. They're mere men. That somehow their amazing efforts would thwart God's plan. Do you remember Moses in Exodus? And God encounters him in the burning bush, and he puts them into the cleft of the cliff, and he says, I want you to be placed here because I will come by, and you cannot behold my glory. It is too much because I am a holy God, and you cannot gaze upon me. He remembers very clearly as he writes Genesis 11, I think, we are dealing with an awesome God. We are dealing with a God who is holy and we are not. 
We need God to step into our lives. We need a Savior because it's the only way we can stand before holy God. And so Moses, I think, writes it with satire. Look at this amazing thing that you're building, a tower unto the heavens, and God has to come all the way down to see your little speck of effort. We worship a holy God, dear saints. And I think we forget that sometimes. This verse, verse 5, and I think again brings us to this point, this center line. I think God comes down to show us his incredible, amazing love for you and for me. His love so compelled him, he could not stand not to enter into man's life. Their hearts were wicked again. And as they continued to build in their wickedness and they separated themselves out from God, as Romans reminds us, the wages of sin is death. We cannot, without God in our lives, stand before Him. As we live as New Covenant believers in a time where Christ has come, we cannot stand before God without His Son Jesus as our Savior and receiving Him. God has to come down. His love forbids Him to stay and do nothing. It's the only way to meet the longing of His heart, which said He longs for a relationship with you and me. I had to enter in. If you continue to build, if you continue to move for a kingdom for yourself, We will forever be separated. I have to step in and I must come down. And so God, right in the middle of this pride, while we're still sinners, and so Christ died for us. And God came down. They were making a name for themselves. And His love again pours out And where sin increased, grace increased all the more. I want my people to know me. I want to love them. And you go, God, why would you disperse them? It's not fair. If they continued in the path they were going, they would be separated out in all of their evil, and that would lead to spiritual death. And so see the love of God coming down. I will scatter you. I want to give you opportunity again to receive my love. I want to give you opportunity again to trust in me. I want to give you opportunity again to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I want to scatter you, not because I'm raining on your parade, but because I love you, and so I come down and enter into your life. Because it would grieve his soul that he would be separated out from his beautiful creation. And so he steps into mankind. And he scatters them. That they would realize that he, again, is their rock. He is their firm foundation. That man, in all of their attempts, cannot be satisfied. They cannot have life without him. And I'm sure God's prayer would be that they'd come to a place like Mother Mary, 
as God gave his commands and gave this gift of his son, that we, like those in Babel, would respond by saying, Lord, not our will, but your will be done. Bringing a child, the Savior, through me, O God, makes no sense. I'm sure Mary wrestled. But not my will, but your will be done. Because God, you have a plan. You have a plan to deliver mankind. You have a plan to step in. You've had a plan from the beginning to bring about salvation. Why did he come down? Because God has a purpose for life for you and for me. We are not God. He is. It's his plan. Who are we to think we step in his way? And so he comes down to lead his plan and he brings upon the confusion which truly is full of love so that they would scatter and be dependent on him because what they desired most would have destroyed them. And what they most dreaded to be scattered is what would bring deliverance to their life. That we wouldn't miss God's love and his love to bless us. Why did he scatter? We see early in Genesis that he said, I want you to go out, I want you to rule over the earth, I want you to take care of the plants and the animals, I want you to subdue and rule over. Here's this gift of the earth. Don't miss the blessing in that. Go and enjoy and take over. We see in Genesis 12 to Abram, and Abram, I want to bless you. I will make your name great. You see, it's God who makes our names great, not ourselves. I will make your name great, Abram, and I will send you out to be a blessing. They need to scatter. Why? So that the love of Christ, the glory of God, would be shed all throughout the earth. The blessing of life in Christ. From the line of Shem, whose name means name, through Abram, who would be the one to live in righteousness, and the seed of Jesus would come through Abram's line. I need you to scatter so that people will know me and that all glory goes to me. And I will bless you in that. I needed to come down and step into your life. God wants us to be saved and to come into a knowledge of him as Savior. I need to come down and to scatter you out. And that together with one voice, We wouldn't come and give glory to ourselves. We wouldn't build a tower to ourselves. But we would glorify and build up the kingdom of God. Lord, O God, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come in this world. That is my prayer. And that our unity wouldn't be a unity that builds up us, but our unity would be one that just magnifies the name of Jesus Christ. And God's will, as he declares in Zephaniah 3, is this then I will purify the lips of the people that all men may call on the name of the Lord and serve him. Shoulder to shoulder we shall be from beyond the rivers of Cush. My worshipers, my scattered people, they will bring me offerings. And on that day you will not be put to shame for all the wrongs that you have done to me because I will remove from that city those who rejoice in their pride. Never again will the haughty 
be upon my holy hill. But I will leave with you the meek and the humble and those who trust in the Lord. Thy will be done, O God. And so today may we come together unified with one lip, one voice, like we saw in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, remember? God steps in and he starts to deliver the people out of their confusion. And they come to understand each other. And with one voice it says, they began to praise God. And all the glory went to him. And so we humbly say to our Lord and our Savior, thank you, Jesus, for coming down. Amen?